Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Another night of California Haunts Radio. Uh, my name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour, and I've got a great guest tonight. I found this gentleman online. I also found him on Facebook, and he has got the best story to tell about, one of the finest stories to tell, best stories, about being a lifelong empathy, and uh, we're going to get into it in a few minutes here. Just to let you know ahead of time, uh, the weather here has turned blustery, and I mean blustery. Um, because of a dog issue a few years back, I don't have a, my, my front door door jam has issues and, um, don't get me wrong. Don't break in my house. Cause you can't, because I have it all locked up on the inside. But sometimes when the wind blows at a certain whisk, right, you know, a certain level, it'll blow my front door open. And that's happened twice today. So I have it pretty well locked up now, but, uh, it's an FYI because the, I was looking at the outage map and it looks like the power's out around me, but not in my neighborhood yet. If the power should go out and we're on the air, don't anybody move. It's all good. I can go to the cell phone. It's all ready to go. And again, I've got the light of God here with me. Okay. So we will be able to go live. So what happens in that case, even with the guest, there I am. Whoa. Even with the guest, um, what happens is just stay where you're at. And all you guys, too. And then I'll be back online and be on StreamYard on my phone. Okay? Okay. Well, I am also the owner of the California... <laughs> That's a lot to say. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team. Based out of what's supposed to be sunny Sacramento, but not today. Uh, we're 45 strong up and down the state of California. And uh, we also have branches in Oregon, Washington, and Hawaii. I haven't said that in a while. But uh, being 45 strong, we've got people spread out across the state. So... If you think you have a paranormal issue and you need someone to come out and help, we can do that. It might take us a while to get to you. California is a huge state. We can do that. And if we can't get out right away, we have mediums on staff that can call you and do a consult with you to calm, either calm things down in your house or your building or, you know, get rid of it altogether. So there you have it. All right. Okay. Now that's done. Now, if you're watching from Facebook today, which I hope you are. If you're watching or listening for Facebook, and I know people listen and they clean house when you know and stuff when when they hear my show. If you're watching from any of those areas and uh, you like what you see and you haven't done so already, please follow. Just like with YouTube, if you're on our YouTube page watching this and you haven't subscribed already, please feel in your heart to subscribe. There's that little ghost in the bottom corner. There's that little ghost in the bottom corner there, and he's got a magnifying glass and a Sherlock Holmes hat on. And you just click on him, and the subscribe button will pop right up, right? And during the show. Right, the algorithms work because we get likes and stuff. So if you like the show and you like what you hear, and this goes for Facebook and you know YouTube, be sure to hit the thumbs up button or that heart button or the happy face or whatever you want to hit. Okay, as we we like to see if people are enjoying our stuff. Feel free to comment. I may not be able to see your comments real good because I'm blind, but you know, feel free to comment, and uh, that makes us happy too. The comments make us happy. Okay, that being said. Uh, I have the story about the time that my friend, and, my best friend and I, 
we're driving late, well, kind of late, like around 9, 10 o'clock, just as the sun was going down, to go to a movie in another town because I worked weird hours. It was a Saturday night. And as we were driving, it looked like we went through some kind of time warp or something weird. I mean, everything just changed around us. An hour later, we were in a different city altogether. And we parked on the side of the road. Go figure, right? So who knows what happened? Okay, I've never been regressed, you know, going back to see if we were abducted or what happened. But who knows what happened, right? All right. So our, but uh, our guest tonight really has a story to tell. He was very young when the abduction started. He and his brother were abducted. And all their life, they've been going back and forth. And he has some interesting stories to tell about hybrids, about having a uh, tracking device put in his body. So let's get him in here. Jesse Long is with us, and I'm real excited. Here we go. Hi. Hello. Now that I'm out of breath. <laughs> <laughs> I had one guy come on the other day, and he was so loud, and he goes, am I too loud? And I said, yeah, you just blew me out of the chair. But that's okay. Oh. Is my okay? Sir. My level is okay? Yeah. Yeah, everything's just fine. I was just making a joke out of it. How okay. are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm so honored to have you on the show. Well, I'm glad to be here. Can you tell everybody about you? Uh, well, I just turned 71 on Christmas Eve. I'm living in Florence, uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. Used to live in Florence, Alabama. Living in Knoxville. Came back home to take care of mom and dad after 17 years in the movie industry. Cool. So I came back here to retire. Nice. It's beautiful in Tennessee. Yes. Absolutely beautiful. So you started, uh, you you got an interesting story about your abductions. And then we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about your hybrid children, you know, as we get into this. When, at what age did you first get abducted that you remember? Uh, I was five. My brother was four. And that was in Rogersville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, when they came in, what, what did they look like? Was it something that, that was really scary for you guys to see? Or did they, because you hear, you know, you hear stories about them using, like, holographic things in front of them so you don't <laughs> see them. No, it was actually in the daytime. Uh, my brother and I were playing in the backyard in the sandbox. And there's a hill behind the house. And uh, one of the beings appeared at the top of the hill and telepathically he wanted me to come follow him. And I was afraid to go by myself, so I took my brother by the hand. Uh, and we went up on the hill and came up on a downed craft. And we were zapped with a light, a laser light, and knocked unconscious and carried inside. Wow. I'm not laughing at you, your story. I just think it's funny because right away you're going to grab your little brother and go, okay, you're coming with me. I'm not doing this well. Yeah. Then, and come to find out, they really didn't want him. He got to go into a room and play games. And I got to go into a room and have medical procedures done on me. <laughs> so why do you think that that is? You know, what, what's the difference between you and your brother as for something that they would want? Uh, it's just genetics. Something in our genetics. The only thing I can think of that maybe makes me a little different is that I'm psychic. Okay. And that may have been part of what they were wanting. Possibly. Probably because they can communicate with you better, more, you know, more, no doubt. Right. Yeah. Um, so what type of, at such a young age, what type of medical procedures were they doing? Do you remember? Yeah. Uh, I was placed on a table. There was like this big x-ray type machine that came over me with different shaped lights on it. 
So they sort of x-rayed my body. Um, looking everywhere, <laughs> in everything. Uh, and then they implanted a device in my left shin, um, which turned out to be a tracking device. And right. not only just tracking, but it kept me healthy for 34 years until I had it That's removed. Good. And then I started getting sick. Okay, now here's my other question. Could it be because they were taking you and taking care of your health at that yes. time? Or Yeah, that's what I thought. Because I've heard reports of people with bad hearts that have gone, been taken, and then they come back and there's nothing wrong with them, or the kidneys, oh. or whatever. Right. Very interesting. This is very interesting to me. And I never um, had some of the normal childhood diseases, even though my brother and sisters did. I never caught them. So. Now, once you got abducted the first time and taken... Did they come back right away the second time, or, or did it take? A, what kind of span was there in between? Well, it turned out to be I've estimated two to three times a year since that time. Wow. Uh, our next move was to Florence, Alabama, mm -hmm. uh, and there was a lot of abductions there. Uh, that's the one where I got to fly over the city in a craft and see what was down there, and. Uh, when years and years later, I uh, got a map of Florence, Alabama, and I pinpointed the things that I saw from the air, and it was a perfectly straight line. Well, you know, wow. as, a, as a kid in the third grade, I didn't know how Florence, Alabama was laid out. It, it wasn't a grid, so there's no way I could have known that was a straight line. Um, how about how old were you when you got to fly or when they showed you? Uh, about third grade, so I was, what, okay. six, about nine. Interesting. And were you the only kid they, they, that they had up there? Were there other kids watching? I'm the school? only one that I recall being there. I was standing in front of a, a huge screen uh, that was actually showing me daytime images, even oh. though it was nighttime. Wow. So uh, maybe that's what, what they call that, night vision mm -hmm. screen. Yeah. So the medical procedures, I mean, did, did they do them every time you, you were taken aboard? Yes. Okay. And it got to the point when I was about, oh, 10 or 11, is when they started doing the uh, uh, sperm samples. That's when the babies started coming. When did you see your first child? Um, it was probably during that flight. Mm -hmm. um, it's she's a female, as far as I can tell. I call her L E L L E, which is French for she. <laughs> I don't know why, uh, but she's the oldest. Um, and then from then on, they kept showing me babies, telling me they were mine. Of course, you know, I I, I knew I knew how babies were made, and I knew I hadn't done that. Mm -hmm. And they were. It was, it was from the sperm extractions. That's where the, we can insert the laugh here. That's where the anal probe comes in. I mean, yeah. it's, not, it's not a pleasant experience. So the anal probe is used to stimulate the prostate to get the sample. Mm -hmm. It's very technical. So, uh, yeah, not at all pleasant. Did you tell your mom and dad what was going on or did you keep it to yourself? Oh, uh, couldn't tell them. The beings told us, don't you ever tell anybody. In fact, my brother and I didn't even talk about it for many, many, many years later. 
that's that, that your story is so incredible but yet it still matches a lot you know a lot of what other people go through and i, I just thought you know the way you tell it so thought-provoking you know <laughs> to make people just go wow you know to do that yeah. all those years um how many children how many uh hybrid children have you produced you think well at any one time i've seen 15 wow but i'm sure there's more than that i figure if I was abducted two, three times a year since I was 34 or so, for 34 years, that's over 150 kids. Because every time I was presented with a new baby and said, this is yours. So that's a Did lot. they tell you why they were creating these hybrids? Only near the end of my experiences, meaning around 1999. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got the impression that because twice, twice they said to me, thank you for giving us your children. And I think the impression I got was they are creating these hybrid children that are going to have to survive the next thousands of years because we as humans aren't going to be here that long. Because mm-hmm. I think personally, I think personally we are the aliens that they manipulated Cro-Magnum and Neanderthal and created us. So they're doing that again to create a new civilization. See, now this, uh, that, that goes into along the lines of what I always think of the Sasquatch that people see. Mm-hmm. I always think that maybe they, during the, the, the manipulation, like you say, the Neanderthal man and Cro-Magnum and all that, that they created, they were busy creating and then there were certain creatures or, or things that didn't work out. Right. And that's how Bigfoot was essentially brought to brought brought to this earth. Probably, yeah. Very I'd love to see a Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are these? Uh, what do your kids look like? Um, they resemble me, but they're they're gray skinned. They're very short. Uh, they have large human like eyes. They don't have the big almond eyes like the aliens that are normally drawn. Um, they're human, but they couldn't pass in society. People would look at them funny and say that you're not right. <laughs> okay, but as you said, you you, you, seem, you you think we're the aliens. Now, as far as these other types of aliens, like the hybrids, do you think that there's some that are living among us right now? I've seen a few people that I've taken a second look at real quick, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now I had heard, and I've done doing some background research on some of these other shows that you've done and stuff, that one of your alien children passed away. Yeah. And I was a member of a support group in California when I lived there. It was called CERO, Close Encounter Resource Organization. And we had our Christmas party in November at the Magic Castle. And I'm not big on going out and celebrating stuff, but I went out. And I stayed longer than normal. And when I got home, they were waiting on me. Um, And they took me uh, to an outdoor arena. I I don't know where it is. It's either the Hollywood Bowl, Starlight Bowl, or that Red Rock place in, what is that, Arizona? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Some outdoor facility. Came up the back steps and got on the stage. And on, on the stage, there was a sheet laid out with a body laying on it. And uh, all my other children were standing off to one side. 
and the the being that I always see, I call him the tall white being. He's the one that telepathically communicates with me all the time. Uh, I asked him, I said, what's going on? And he said, you're supposed to be here at this time. I said, well, what's that? And that's, he, she, he said, uh, that's a dead alien. I said, well, it, is it mine? And he said, yes. Of course, I lost it at that point. Right. Right. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, what am I doing here? He said, you have to help perform the ceremony. So I, crying my eyes out, I had to go down, wrap this child, she was about six or seven years old, in the sheet and stepped back and a craft appeared in the sky above and they zapped her up into the craft and took her off. Now, backstory on that too, though. In the audience were abductees with their abductors. And in fact, two of the people in the audience were from our support group meeting. And they remember seeing what was going on. Now, this child, she was part of her head was black. Her hands were black and her feet were black. The rest was, I guess you say, my skin color. Mm -hmm. She got to go back six years to 1992, seven years. I was working on the movie Pet Cemetery Part Two down in Atlanta, Georgia. And I was abducted while working on the movie. And at that point, I was forced to crossbreed physically with a creature that all I can describe is like a, a Somalia woman, skin and bones, black skin. So the child was the product of my joining up with this creature. That's why the head was black and the hands were black and the feet were black. Because she had some aspects of her, if you call her her, and me. Right. And for whatever reason, this one just didn't live. And at that point is when they stopped coming for me altogether. Oh. I figured either I had outgrown my usefulness or whatever was happening, they just didn't want to deal with me anymore. Uh -huh. So I don't know what. To this day, I don't know specifically why they stopped. Oh. I would think, you know... Um... Maybe you you did outgrow your uh, usefulness, but my thought would be with this child dying, maybe they felt at that point that uh, you were weak, you know the sperm or whatever was weak com coming from you. Correct. That's what I figured. Well, see, by I'd had the implant out in nineteen eighty nine, so this was ten years later, and over those ten years, I was getting sick, I, high blood pressure, cholesterol. Um, more colds than usual. Uh, so a lot of stuff, since the implant wasn't in there, I was getting sick. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Were they upset when you had that implant removed? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. They abducted me, and they went looking for it in a painful way. They looked everywhere for it. Um, they stabbed me in the stomach with this huge needle that left a triangle mark on my stomach filled my intestinal tract with this liquid that i passed the next day which was a golden color liquid that was foul 
So I don't know what they were doing, but they were looking for it and they weren't happy. Mm. And all the times that you were aboard ship, what, what, what kind of, what, you know, I know you wonder what tests and stuff, but like you say, you got to fly the one time. What, what are the things that they have you do or were you just taken aboard and worked on and then sit back? That was the normal routine was that. Okay. Now, once when I was still young, a kid, I got to learn how to operate this machinery and I don't even know what it's for. Mm -hmm. uh, if I saw it today, I know what it was. It reminds me of a VHS tape with slots in it, but I don't know for sure. Um, yeah. Most of the time it was, they were using me for what they wanted and then they'd let me go. Like a lab rat. I'd right. take what you need and send you back home. Right, right. And after that, after that flight <laughs> over the city, uh, it was in the summer because I was back in bed. The window was open at the head of my bed. And my dad ran outside to try to scare them away, he says he was screaming because I could hear him. He was screaming, get out of here, leave my son alone. Um, over the years, what had, I mean, did, did they tell you any reason for why they were coming here at all? No. I mean, why here as opposed to anywhere else? Right, right. No. They were just there. And it was, was it only the one type of aliens or were there different aliens aboard the ship? Different, different types. There was the tall white being who was the one in charge and mm -hmm. talked to me telepathically. Uh, he was like a, about almost seven feet tall and he was in like a veil. So it was hard to see his face, but he was very human-like, but very skinny, but very human-like. Didn't have the big almond eyes. But then there were the little greys who were the ones who did the abducting and the medical procedures and all that mm -hmm. um, capturing and returning. And so they were really like workers. Now, once when I was little, the one that was teaching me how to operate that machinery was a reptilian looking being. So, and then one other time I saw one that was just a sort of light, literally just light glowing thing, like from the movie Cocoon. You know uh -huh. how they were just light? One like that. Those are the only ones I've seen. See, that's interesting, too, in that I, I read the book about the abduction in the Mojave. And the woman describes them as being what she thought were angelics. The hmm. light ones. Oh, okay. But she has, a, she has the same description you do about them, okay. which is really interesting. Now... During all this time also, um, obviously they, they, they didn't want you to tell anybody, but I mean, there's other people that have gone and not remembered their events, you know, remembered what happened. Is there, is there some reason, well, you wouldn't know, because of course you were, you were being abducted, but um, why do you think that they allowed you to come back with all your memory? Well, they didn't, it wasn't all my memory. Okay. Uh, it was spotty. Uh, I mean, remembered the basic details, but when I moved to California, I, contacted that abduction support group okay. and Yvonne Smith was my hypnotherapist and with her help I was able to get the details more details of what was actually going on 
like, you know, the symbols I saw, what they were wearing, uh, what the craft looked like, uh, you know, more details. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the craft a little bit. What, what, what did they look like and, and what were they like on the inside and outside? Well, they were all different. The first one that my brother and I saw looked like a roundhouse being built mm -hmm. uh, under construction. In fact, the way he has worked through it over the years, he actually built his own house and it was a round of UFO house, <laughs> which I thought was funny. But I've been in a craft with that are like an eight-sided tube sitting with other abductees waiting our turn, um, standing in front of that big screen looking at the city. Uh -huh. um, And once when my car and I were zapped up off Interstate 40 outside of Albuquerque, uh, it, it was really just a medically white room that I was taken to. Nothing. I mean, all the, all the machinery and stuff came out of the walls. Oh, that's cool. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Oh, and then one time I was taken to an underground facility uh, where military people working were working alongside the aliens. Our I remember being put on a gurney and going down a hallway and seeing the military there with the, the aliens and they pushed, took me to an elevator and took me inside and pushed seven. So we went down seven floors into this facility. I had never yeah. heard any stories like that. Let's, let's, yeah, let's, let's yeah. continue on that one. I, I told a, a friend of mine who was a general in the uh, army, he's, he's dead now, but uh, uh -huh. he said, oh, that's Tehachapi. Because I described the the room I was taken into first and the hallway and the elevator. And he said, oh, yeah, that's Tehachapi. Wow. So I the military is working with them on this stuff. That's crazy. That's just yeah. absolutely incredible. So what was the difference between, okay, let's say you're talking about the, the, the ships you were on where the equipment was coming out of the walls and stuff. What was the difference between that examination area and then what you experienced with the military? Uh, well, like I say, I saw the military there. Mm -hmm, they mm -hmm. had nothing to do with me. They were ignoring me because the, the little grays were pushing me on the gurney to wherever we were going. They weren't, the military was not concerned with me at all. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Very interesting. So when you got pushed to where you were going, what was the room like then? Just a white room on a flat table and, um, um, yeah, they did their regular procedures. I don't know why I was taken underground like that. Mm -hmm. You know, what? The, and, and, and truthfully, I could have been on another craft for all I know. Right, right. Could have been a craft that had several levels. Right. Let's see, I got a message here. Hang on one second. Okay. Hi, Marissa. There we go. <laughs> oh, sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I hit the button. I'm trying to expand this thing up. Which one did I hit? Did I hit that one? Oh, Jerry. Okay. Jerry yeah, it's because I, uh, I don't have the right contact, so I have to blow this thing up to see the comments. <laughs> okay. I hit the wrong button. I hit the wrong comments. <laughs> Oops. It's called getting old, you guys. Don't get old. Um, I'm so fascinated by all this. Now let's talk about. You mentioned um, that the, the you know coming out in the you know hypnotism about 
what they were wearing. Did, did they wear clothes, these aliens? My children seem to be wearing some skin-tight something. Uh -huh. uh, the little grays, I think, also had on a skin-tight suit. Now, even the grays that I saw, their eyes weren't the almond-shaped. I mean, they had large eyes, uh -huh. but they looked more just like a human eye, three times larger than a human eye. Uh -huh. That's not not almond shaped. I don't think I ever saw one that was almond shaped. Well, like you were saying earlier about us possibly being the aliens here, you think this breeding program is to get these the, the alien children to look more and more like like us, so that they that they can start you know interacting more with us. That's possible because a lot of times they were making me hold the babies. Uh -huh. I think they're trying to get me to, I don't know if the right word is imbue or imbibe, but put, uh -huh. get my emotions into them so that they would know how to react more correctly with uh -huh. human humans. Um, and then there was that one time when my car was zapped up off the freeway then, and I was presented with a, a son and he was crying and I didn't know how to make him stop. And of course I was crying and, uh, I couldn't stop him, so they just took him out of my arms. I mean, but but to this day, I can't hold children, babies. They they scare me to death. I bet. Yeah. Now you were part of that um, mass uh, abduction in Colorado, right? Colorado. Yeah. I mean Coronado. Coronado. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. No. My bad. My mind's not well, jealous. I'm get it straight. Not not Colorado. Um, <laughs> I need, well, I, need I can't sleep. say for sure, <laughs> yeah, because I I had not spent the night there, right, when everyone else was abducted, but I had weird experiences the morning we were leaving and going back to L.A. Uh -huh. I was seated at a table with all of our friends. There's about twelve of us, I guess, and all of a sudden, I don't know if you know how movies work, but if they get out of sync. You see somebody's mouth move, but you don't hear what they've yeah. said for a few yeah. seconds. That's what was happening. People were talking, and I was looking like, well, they were all out of sync. I was hearing it after the fact, and I said something at the time. And I just thought, everybody thought that was just so weird. I don't know what that was about. <laughs> That's crazy. It's like they were on, you know. Another plane, different you know, wavelength. Yeah, different plane there. You were you, you were like trying to catch up. Yep, yeah, that's exactly. Now here's it. a question: Being involved with the movies. Now I know because I shoot video when I I do this. You know, I do this kind of work. I'm a journalist anyway. I mean, if I go aboard those things, I'm going to be looking around. I mean, I'm just that's just how I am. And you being involved with the movies, I mean, you must have been fascinated by what the ship looked like because obviously, you know, there's all these movie sets that are built with this kind of thing. Right. Well, you have to understand, though, when I was normally taken, I was unconscious. Okay. So I don't know how I got from my either house or apartment and in the ship, except uh -huh. that first time when I was five with my brother. Uh -huh. I don't remember how that happens. Uh -huh. So I would usually wake up in the white room for the exam. Uh -huh. So other than that little cubicle I was in with another abductee, which was really just a eight-sided white room, I don't really recall seeing any more of the interior of a craft. Oh, okay. Except okay. that big screen. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, I understand. I understand. 
Um, as a kid being abducted, if I mean, did, did you did you get to meet other abductees on the ship? Only after I joined the support group. Okay. And there was one gentleman in particular uh, that was with with me quite a bit mm-hmm. on the abductions. I think they took us, you know, at the same time, same mm-hmm. place for the same reason. Interesting. I just find this story, your story, because like you said, you, you were put under hypnosis to, to recall it all, but it's so fascinating. Yeah. You know, your memory of, of, of what, had, what transpired with the ship. Right. Were there any, um, I mean, as far as they're communicating with you and, and the different aliens, which race of the alien did you find to be the easier to deal with, if you can remember? The, the tall white being. Okay. Because he was the calming effect. He would, you know, tell me, stay calm. We don't mean to hurt you. This will be over soon, you know, telepathically. So mm-hmm. the ones I didn't like were the little grays that did all the medical stuff and capturing. Because I remember that flight over the city, the way they captured me, I, we had a cat named Fifi, cute mm-hmm. little black black and white cat. And, and I, lo- I love that cat. And they knew I loved that cat. And she was outside. And somehow they got in the night, they got me to go outside. And they one of them was holding this cat, luring me wow. to them. And then once I reached the cat, they had me. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing I know, I'm in the craft, which... I could look up and I could see the craft uh, at the top of the uh, telephone pole, just hovering there waiting. Uh, then the next thing I know, I'm in front of that screen. So if you could, I mean, if you could see the craft and everything, these crafts didn't make any noise, obviously. Or, I mean, no. the neighbors would have been out there if they were that low. Well, there's also this phenomenon for the people who are left behind, mm-hmm. like my mom. Uh Poor thing. It wasn't until just a few years before she passed that she admitted seeing one of the little greys at the foot of her bed keeping her asleep. They're called watchers. They're left behind to keep the people in the house asleep while they do what they do with the one they need. So she saw it at the foot of her bed. She chased it down the hallway toward my room, went into my room, and out my window, she chased it all the way and looked out the window and saw a craft on the ground in the, in the uh, driveway. Mm-hmm. So it took her a long time to admit it. And Dad, I don't think he could ever admit it. It was too much for him. Too scary for him, I guess. Even though he screamed at him that time. And how long were, were you gone? Do you know each time they took you? Uh, I only know one time for certain. And that's when my car was taken off the freeway. Because in driving, I was driving from L.A. to Atlanta to work on that movie, Pet Cemetery 2. Right. Uh, and I keep detailed records of mileage when I stop to eat or get gas or whatever. Uh, and I had, when I was taken up, 200 miles further up the road, my car was dropped back on the freeway in motion. I pulled over because I thought I ripped the bottom of my car out. The wiper blades didn't work. The heater didn't work. The radio didn't work. High, high, the high beams didn't work. 
Uh, in fact, I had to have that car towed back from Atlanta because it didn't work. But right in there, there was two hours missing. So it's the longest that I recall is a two-hour span that I lost. Mm-hmm. But I gained 200 miles. <laughs> I guess, I guess pretty well. <laughs> um, also, there's been reports of people that have been taken that when they come back, they got the wrong shoe on the wrong foot and things like that. Did you ever have any experience with anything like that? Not that I, yeah, I tried to keep track of that kind of stuff. And yeah. I, don't know, I, I don't know of anything like that. Okay. Okay. All right. What strikes you personally more about your feelings of, of being taken over and over? Well, that's strange because while it was happening, it was frightening and scary, and I wanted to know the answers why. Once it stopped, this is going to sound weird. I miss it mm-hmm. because I still have a lot of questions for them. Sure. So, and it's sad that I won't get to see my children anymore. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense, too. Um, let's go back to uh, okay. The, they were harvesting your sperm, obviously, to create these, you know, these hybrids. And uh, I guess the, the only mother you were able to know about is this alien that you had to, all the same mate with, whatever, whatever you want to put it. Right. Um, did you ever run into anybody? I mean, did you ever ask them directly how they were creating the children, or you just, you know, it was just one of those things where if, I'm just talking like when you got older, because when you were little, obviously, you couldn't do that. You know what I mean? You wouldn't have the wherewithal. But did you ever get the information from them as to what happened with your sperm after they took it? No. You mean if they were being created in an incubator or if they yeah, were actually yeah, using yeah. A, a female? For me, I think they were actually using a female okay. alien. Because the, my children look too, too alien not to have been with another um, alien. Mm-hmm. Because if it had been with a, a human, they would have been human children. Mm-hmm. But they weren't. Now, did did you marry in later life? Oh no, I'm single. Okay, I, I have no human. I have no I human. Was, I was gonna say, yeah. I mean, try to explain that to your try, you know, try to explain that to your wife. No. And what was going on? I don't mean to laugh, but I mean it, it is kind of. It is kind of funny. How would it's I? It's twisted yeah. sort of way. Yeah, it's, it's, it is kind of funny, you know. But I, I sort of think. This lifetime, was, I was not meant to have human children. Mm-hmm. I think all my children were meant to be the aliens because, you know, twice the tall white being said, thank you for giving us your children. Mm-hmm. And I think that was my purpose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you ever ask them to show you other ones? Or did, did, did it just happen like, like, like you talk about the, we'll call it the funeral for your daughter? Oh, I've seen... I've seen all of them okay. at one time or another. Okay. Uh, while that funeral thing was going on, Al, the oldest one, was there with 15 of my children. And once that craft took this child up, uh, I was crying and all my children came around me and hugged me. And, of course, that made it worse for me. Um, But it's sad that I won't get to see him again. That's true. Did you ever find out how their age worked? I mean, are they, are they going to live long lives, you know, as, as compared to us? Or 
are there since they're part human are are, are there a you know years like ours yeah i don't know for sure but see i do know that that one that was crossbred with that black creature only lasted till she was about seven but now Elle was still with everybody else, so she was there when I was, she was created when I was about, what, 10, 11? Wow. So she's the oldest. And there are there are male and female. I don't know how I know that. It's just a feeling I got from them. Uh-huh. I mean, I've never seen the proof, so to speak, which ones they were. It's just a knowing that I know, oh, that Elle is a female. And that was my son that they presented to me that was crying. And I know this was a daughter of mine that died. Uh, it's just a knowing. How hard was it to have the implant removed? Because I've heard stories about people that have gone to do this. And, you know, when the doctor goes in to take the implant out, it moves within the mine skin. Mine did itself. move a little bit. Uh, we videotaped the operation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I had a quasi-doctor friend of mine set it all up because I did not want to know what hospital we were going to. I did not want to know what doctor was going to do the procedure because I wasn't sure personally if it was even legal Uh to take the implant out and give it to me because Uh normally they have to send that stuff off for biopsy. Uh So I don't even, you could ask me today, you could put a gun to my head and I couldn't tell you who the doctor was Uh because I didn't want to know the name. Uh Um, But uh, yeah, it moved a little. It was extremely, extremely painful. It's like it just did not want to come out. In fact, I kept saying to the doctor, I can feel that. I can feel that. And he says, no, you can't. He says, I have given you the maximum amount of, uh, what is that, anesthesia to the area as possible. You cannot possibly feel that. I said, well, here, I'll look away and you do something and I'll tell you if I feel it or not. Sure enough, I could feel everything he was doing. Wow. The, the painkiller did not help at all wow and what what did it look like when he pulled it out uh it looked like a shard of glass but i've had it tested many many times uh one place said the southwest research institute uh-huh. said it has to have been created at over five thousand degrees fahrenheit and normal glass is created about two thousand uh-huh. uh, they did uh x-rays of it and micro um, microscope pictures of it uh, it looked like it has a tra- soundtrack down one side uh, there's a pyramid on the tip uh, and there's like five-sided honeybee honeycomb looking things on one side mm-hmm. but that was told it could modulate radio frequencies um, and then i took it a again to a place in Fredericksburg, Virginia, and they did a test where they send light, all wavelengths of light through things for testing. Like if you send light through a pane of glass, Uh it's not going to absorb. Uh, Right. I mean, it's not going to allow all the light to go through. Even though it's glass, it's going to stop some light. Well, this thing allowed 100% of the light to go through, and they said, that's impossible. That's impossible. I said, well, that's your results. <laughs> and they've gone, I know, but we don't know why. It can't, why can't it do that? We don't know. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. 
but you know, people have had those. Like like you say, it was down in your, it was down in what your your towards your ankle area down there, right? Oh, shin. Your shin, yeah. My left shin, yeah. And I know there's a lot of reports of people that have them like you know up on the underneath the forehead up here. That would really suck. Yeah. That would be really bad. Um. Yeah. What is your biggest memory of being taken? Oh, I remember all of them. But I think the most impressive, besides the death of my daughter, was the flight over the city. Uh-huh. Just because when I did get a map of the city and pinpoint, well, I saw this first, this next, that next. It was a perfectly straight line, but the streets right. weren't straight lines. So right. there's no way I could have done that as a little, little boy. Did they ever... Uh... You know, as you got older, because obviously as you get older, you're, you're trying to ask more questions. Did they ever uh, actually talk to you about stuff? Not really. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, remember, when they take me, they had to paralyze me. Right. So it's not like I could voice my opinion. Mm-hmm. It, because my, my perceptions changed when I was being taken before the death of my daughter, um, I was upset. I was angry. And they knew, <laughs> they knew they had to keep me paralyzed because I would kill everyone I might could have gotten my hands on. Because uh-huh. I didn't appreciate what they were doing to me. I didn't know why they were doing it to me. And it hurt us like hell. And I wanted to get back at them. One till after the end, then I knew what was going on, sort of. Um. And it just, it really upsets me to think, you know what, if you had just asked me, if you had just asked me for my permission, I probably would have said yes, but you didn't ask. Understood, understood. If you had to do it over, you know, or or let's say that they came back for you now at this point, what would your reaction be? I would be elated. I'm really joyous to think I was going to get to see my kids. And I would ask them all the questions that I've had in my head for all these years. Uh And tell them, look, if you'd just asked me, I wouldn't have had to go through all that terror. But you didn't ask. So I think <clears throat> seeing my kids would be the the best thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did it make you feel a lot better, like 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 when you joined the support group in California? Because you know, obviously you were going through this alone and dealing with it on your own. How did that make you feel when you finally found like-minded people that had had the same experience? Make me realize I wasn't going crazy, mm-hmm. especially when. Uh, those people reported that they had been at that uh, ceremony for the dead child. Oh yeah, we saw Jessup on stage doing his thing. Like what? <laughs> See, they what we would do? Yvonne Smith was the leader of the group. They oh, told okay. Yvonne. I told Yvonne, and then she says, "Well, now y'all need to tell it in the group." So it's not. You know, we didn't get together and create this scenario. Right, right. Uh, 
Yeah. And to know that someone else was there from our group was just astonishing to me that they remembered it. Because I thought, now, come on, that that just really didn't happen, did it? Were you ever able, because like like you said, your, your, your mother saw one at yeah. some point during all these abductions. Were you ever able to sit down with her and go, hey, you saw this and this is this is what I experienced or no? Well, when she came out with that, I said, why didn't you ever tell me? Why didn't you ever tell me that you had experienced that? She says, I don't know. It just was out of my mind. I'm, you know, I don't know. So what maybe they had told her not to tell. Well, maybe, yeah. What an incredible story. But my mother was like that in that my mother had psychic abilities, but she didn't want to admit it. Tell, And it only came out when she was in her 80s. You know, when I started the oh, ghost wow. hunt and we'd yeah. go into buildings, she'd go, oh, there's a little girl over there. But if you talk to her, you know, about that stuff beforehand, she'd say, ah, I'm not, not going to deal with it. No, no, yeah. no. No. You know, because she hadn't accepted it in herself, right? Right. Yeah. No, so but maybe. see, I knew as a kid when people were going to die or something that's going to happen, or right. I mean, back in what 1989, I knew 9 11 was going to happen to the day, mm -hmm. and I wrote it down, drew pictures, so I have proof that I knew that many years ahead that it was going to happen. Mm -hmm. In a way, the abductions might have been a good thing because, you know, kids get to a certain age and they lose, not lose the psychic ability, but it gets put way in the back. Right. You know, and so because you're busy doing other things. And for you and your case, you know, and for you, maybe it was a good thing because you were able to keep those abilities alive. Oh, yeah. To this day. <laughs> yep. So since they're not coming back, what, what you know, to, to get you, or so far they haven't come back. How right. many years has it been? Well, that was November 1999. Okay. So that's 24 years. Yeah, 25 almost. When you watch, and I'm going to throw this out there because you have seen some of the crap from the outside as well. When you watch some of these TV shows about, you know, like the Alaskan Triangle and different things like that, is are the crafts that people are describing close to what you saw? Uh, I've seen the the saucer shape. That's the one that took me over the city. That flight over the city. Mm -hmm. I was coming back from um, Mammoth in California, headed back to LA, and in a rainstorm, this huge craft. I mean, he had to be as big as a football stadium. Mm -hmm. appeared over my car. It was raining, but when he got over my car, it wasn't raining anymore. But I looked up and I could see what looked like scaffolding and the construction of this thing that was all very mechanical looking. Um, and of course, the first, first one, which looked like a roundhouse being built, mm -hmm. um, it was the craft that came to take my daughter up was a saucer shaped but it had things on the top and the bottom mm -hmm. not quite like close encounters but pretty much so uh, yeah yeah do you have anything to say to people that think they might be involved in these in, in, in these abductions now if you're having problems 
coping with it, there is help out there. Mm-hmm. And if you need to seek help, I would seek it. Don't try to handle it on your own. Um, but just know you're not going crazy. Mm-hmm. What, type, what type of help can they get? Because, I mean, a lot of people's automatic, you know, when they see something like that in the sky or, or something happens automatically, well, let's call the military, let's call the police and see what's going on. Where should people, you know, how, do where and how should people seek help? <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> That's the last people you want to talk contact. Uh, if, you go, if you go on Facebook, there's this group called CERO, CERO, Close Encounter Resource Organization. And the head of that is Yvonne Smith. Uh-huh. Uh, and she could do a lot of help in getting people in touch with assistance and help and stuff. Yeah. Right. Um, knowing what you know now, you know, about that. Would you have uh, fought your way to not go? Well, I've done what? No, no, you know, knowing what you know now and what you experienced. Let's say they, they let's say uh, they waited until you were in your teenagers or whatever to come. Would you have gone with them? I guess you didn't have a choice. Didn't you know? I never, never had a choice. Yeah, that's true. Boom! Should have had a V eight this morning. It's okay. No, never had a choice. Your story is so compelling. And that's what drew me to you, you know, because you, it, there's just so much recollection there, you know, in that story. <laughs> wow. You know, um, is there anything you want to tell them? <laughs> Other than those questions that I raised, you know, why me and right. what's the purpose of the children and what's going to happen to the children and, um, yeah. No, I mean, I do have a lot of questions, but yeah. And for all we know, they're still looking in on you. We don't know that. You know, they, they could be coming in and looking on you. That's true. I don't recall knowing that, that they've come or not. Uh-huh. Um, but hey, if this in this house, there's, there's two spirits in here anyway. Uh-huh. I had to have my apartment in California exercised because of two spirits in that house. Priest from the Crystal Cathedral had to come and exercise the house. And wow. I think I may have brought something in. I collect antique furniture. And I yeah, think two pieces of my furniture yeah, two pieces of my furniture brought something in. That'll do it. Yeah. But that right um, now they're not mischievous right. or or dangerous, so I'm not right. worried about them. Right. Right. I have the same problem. I got a couple of antiques in here that, wow, there's things attached to them as well. Yep. Yep. Um, that was my next question, too, as far as contact with with with, with the alien beings. Was that, um, like you say, you know, that the, they will stand over other people in your home so they don't wake up, you know, so there's no alert on there. When you when you went with your brother, you know, you obviously took his hand. What was his reaction at that point? Because he was only four years old. He didn't know what was happening. Because uh-huh. they hadn't telepathically told him, come up the hill. I just grabbed him by the hand. I mean, he was four. I was five. He was four. Right, right, right. So he didn't know what was happening. Now, we do both remember that this light was shown at us and we became unconscious. He remembers it as uh, someone throwing an axe at us. I remember it as a stick. But in... Delving into it more, it was a, a laser light that zapped us. 
Absolutely. So, um, what do you say to We talked about people that, that have been taken. What do you say to people who think they have been taken? I mean, should, should they seek maybe a, maybe a, somebody that they can hypnotize, you know, hypnotize them to send them back or, you know, to, to figure that out? Or should they just go on with their life thinking, well, maybe I was abducted? It depends on them. If they want to delve into it, be careful what you ask for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you may open a whole bag of worms. Mm-hmm. And if you're not ready for it, it could it could really upset you and send you off to Lululand. But if you're ready to face the fact that yes, it could have happened, seek the help. Okay, that's a question I had. Um, I was I just thought of that I was going to ask, but I forgot to. When you would wake up in the morning, did you have weird marks on your body from when oh, yeah. done, done the procedures? Yeah, I've had dozens of marks on my body. I've taken photographs of them. Uh, after the implant came out, I've had needle marks, different places where they were injecting stuff in me to try to keep me healthy. Um, that mark on my stomach, the triangle mark. Um, I forgot one thing that was very telling. Uh, when they were forcing me to crossbreed with that black creature, mm-hmm. somehow, even though I was paralyzed, I managed to push her off of me. And when I did, she grabbed for me and mm-hmm. she clawed down my arm. And I have a picture of three claw marks that she left on my arm. So, um, yeah. Wow. Jesse, thank you so much for sharing your story tonight. You're welcome. I so appreciate it. I really, really do. It's absolutely incredible. And I I, I hope your life stays quiet, you know, for the next 20 years. I really do. (laughs) Well, if they come for me and uh, I get to see all my kids, I'll let you know. That would be great. It'd be great to touch base. And maybe later on, we'll touch base with you too in a year, you know, see, see how things are going and whatnot. Okay. Right. Sounds All good. Right, Jesse. And how, how, how do people find you? I know you got a, uh, you got a regular Facebook page and you've also got a group page, right? A what page? You, you, you got a, a group page about the alien abductions and you've also got a personal page. So where would you prefer people to find you? Just Facebook. Jesse. Okay. Long. Yeah. I don't know what other page you're talking about myself. Okay. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or they can okay. email me at uh, jessielong941 at yahoo.com. All right, sir. Well, thank you so much. And have a you're good welcome. rest of your evening, okay? Thank you. Have a good one. You too. That was fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Threw me in. That's why I had him on. I happened to be cruising YouTube one time. And found him on YouTube. And I just thought his story was so, so fascinating. All right, guys. Tomorrow, we're kind of shifting gears. Um, Greg Seifer is going to be with us tomorrow. I hope it's Greg Seifer. Let me double check before I open my mouth. It's been that kind of day, you know. And anything that could go wrong did. We got Murphy's Law going on in this house. Ah, here we go. Yes. And uh, we're, he's going to be talking about... and and. and COVID a little bit, but we're going to be talking about that ozone treatment that people uh, can, can could technically get, you know, to, to fight COVID and other diseases. So we're going to be talking about that with him. He's done some research in there, and uh, that's going to be our topic for tomorrow, okay? That'll be 6.30 p.m. Pacific, normal time. We'll be here. I want to thank everybody for coming tonight. If you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. We are equal opportunity here at California Haunts Radio. Also, see, I'm getting better now. Now I can find my camera. I'm getting better at finding my camera since I changed all this in here. 
gets crazy after a while. The adjustments when you move stuff. Anyway, uh, be sure I put a link into the uh, Patreon page because next week we are going to, this week, I keep saying next week, but towards the end of the week, for the Patreon members, I have a great interview I did with with uh, a couple of UFO uh, abductees. And uh, it's a really cool follow-up interview to the original. Siam, as you can see, was in our chat room. And that's who the interview is with her and her husband. So we're going to be doing that. The Hamdens. See, I, got, I told you, it's one of those days. Uh, so, yeah, be sure to check that out. And if you go to the Patreon, uh, enjoy the Patreon. We're doing it at a discount rate. Uh, five fifty for for a month, and that gets you access to first time videos ahead of everybody else. Because what I'll do is I will post that video, and uh, the Patreon members can view it. And then within a week or two, uh, I will be posting it on the regular YouTube site, so you guys get first view. Also, with certain guests, we will have them back on over there and do some lives like this with them, so that uh, you guys can ask extra question you know questions in case you didn't get your questions in during the show, or there's something that we're shy to ask over here on this public show. Okay, that being said, if you like the show, again, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. I'm equal opportunity here. If you're watching from Facebook and you haven't done so already and you like what you hear, be sure to follow and uh, give me some thumbs up and some love signs or, or whatever it is you want to do. Same thing with YouTube. If you haven't subscribed yet, take a look around our YouTube. We have more than 540 videos over there and they're all on different topics. And I think you'll find something that you like. All right. I will see you guys tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Have a great rest of your evening.